break. I don't know if the Lord has broken your chains this morning, but he's certainly broken mine. Amen. Well, it's a blessing to be with Centennial Baptist Church. I haven't been here in quite some time. It's a great blessing to be with you all. My family and I thank you for your support and prayers over the years. And some of you I know and some of you I don't, but it's a blessing to be here. And thank you very, very much for your support and prayers. I will say this. It's a blessing to have my daughter, Leanne, with me. Let me just raise your hand real quickly. And uh, I couldn't bring my whole family, but my baby girl wanted to come with me. And so uh, I praise the Lord for that. Uh, it's also a blessing to have my sister and my brother-in-law and uh, some of my nieces and nephews here with us today. And uh, thank you for coming. Uh, they drove over from uh, the Idaho-Oregon border, and so wonderful to have you. I also have uh, my daughter's godbrother in the very back, he and his family. And so it's a blessing to have them here and just a great blessing to see them. And so thank you for, again, for your invitation to come. Pastor Tony, thank you for your hospitality and your your friendship over the years. I appreciate your pastor very much. Make sure that you pray for him. Your pastor needs prayer and support. Y'all love him. And uh, I appreciate your work and his stand on the Word of God and his ministry here at Centennial Baptist Church. I will say this before I forget. I do have some prayer cards for those who may uh, not have received one. Maybe you have an older one you want to update. I do have some of these. And so let me uh, meet you in the back of the church at the end of the service. I'll be glad to give you an updated prayer card. I don't want to go to prison without you praying for me, amen? So uh, please uh, keep me in prayer. And uh, by the way, when you, when you look at my face compared to the other three beautiful faces on there, you'll know they need your prayer too because they have to live with me. So uh, keep them in prayer as uh, they deal with me. Pray for my wife. She's uh, just getting out of prison right now. So um, she's active in the work as well. Uh, she's playing the piano for the chapel service out at the Northwest Regional Corrections Facility on Joint Base Lewis-McCord, the military prison there. She plays the piano for that, so she's finishing up about right now and heading to our local church over there. So pray for her as well as my oldest daughter, but uh, I wish she could be here this morning. I'm the military coordinator for Rock of Ages Prison Ministry, and so uh, that's what I do is I travel primarily to military correctional facilities around the country. Someone just asked me the other day, I, I hadn't really even thought about it, they said, now these um, you know, military prisoners that were taken overseas in war or these military men. And so I never even thought about that question, but uh, the men that I deal with, I've never had to deal with um, international uh, prisoners in the military. I know they do have those detainees, uh, but the men that I deal with, and what, there are women, uh, the men and women that we deal with are military members, active duty military members that are in trouble. And they're within the military correctional system uh, there's a whole other set of laws. I don't have time to talk about all that this morning, but the Uniform Code of Military Justice, it's a whole different set of laws and a different prison system and everything. So please pray for them. Many of them are um, decorated war veterans. Many of them have seen many, many things downrange. They have other issues. Um, I'd take just about any one of y'all into the prison with me. It's not what you'd see on TV. They're all military members. Um, there are some guys that have done some really, really bad things, but the demographic, as I explained in Sunday school this morning, is uh, just a whole different. Um, they're, they're good guys. They're good people. You know, good people make bad mistakes. And again, many of them, they're all veterans, so, so keep them in your prayers. Um, I was recently at uh, Fort Leavenworth back in May, and that's the big military prison. That's up all the way up to the death penalty. I've spoken with quite, if you've seen infamous military prisoners on TV, I have met and talked with every one of them. 
And so uh, some of them I do get to lead to the Lord, and some I don't. But uh, please keep them in prayer. Uh, the sound, I've got a little bit of ringing. I don't know if that's... Oh, good. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, it's... Uh, is it still there a little bit? Anyway, just enough to distract me. But anyway, please keep us in prayer as we do travel and preach and, and uh, deal with those military prisoners. And just recently, it's probably one of the most difficult uh, visits I've had. I've been doing this now for, it'll be 15 years in February. And so uh, I've encountered many different military prisoners around the country. But I walked into our unit there at Fort Lewis. That's where I am full time. And I walked into the prison, they have a segregation unit. That, what some of y'all might call the hole, you maybe heard this, the slang term, the hole. You get sent to segregation, that's where it is. And uh, that's where they also keep new, new people. And there was, they said, sir, we need to let you know there are females on the tier. It's primarily a male facility, so when we have females, they have to notify you. And, and uh, I walked up to the door, and it's a solid steel door, and it has a little food, we call it the bean hole, but it's a food tray port. And, uh, I had the female guard make sure that she was decent, and I knelt down by the food tray port. And uh, by the way, I think, Brother Pastor, that's a, we were talking about meekness this morning in Sunday school. Talk about a meek position to be in when you kneel outside of a prison cell to minister. And as I looked inside, there was a young lady that saved me. It's my daughter. She was 18. And, uh, Probably one of the most difficult visits. I had to take a minute, and I said, can you excuse me for a second? I had to step out and gather my composure. Um, young people in the military make bad mistakes, just like people here. And uh, when I saw someone the same age as my daughter, it really choked me up. And uh, we need to understand that when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, it means exactly that. And sometimes we like to minimize that. Well, I'm saved, Brother Lance, that doesn't apply anymore. The wages of sin is still death. Even if you're born again, we have eternal life in Christ, but I guarantee if you go out there and you live like the world does, it'll kill you. And you see the destruction of sin, it's prevalent, it's open, you'll see it, and uh, absolutely heart-wrenching story. But the good news is, is about over the three or four weeks that uh, she was only there a short time, but uh, she came to trust the Lord as her Savior. And uh, in her closing service before she left, she says, I've never, ever had someone care about me. Um, like our military chaplain and Chaplain Lance, and I came to know the Lord. I've never had a dad. And so uh, it's just a blessing to watch God transform young lives. I shared in Sunday school, I had a young man that met me. I was just at a conference last week in Tennessee, and there's a young man that I led to the Lord probably 10 years ago in the military correctional facility. He was a young soldier that had been incarcerated for selling drugs, and um, I don't, I'm not sure even what the specific charges were, but he was there for about a year. But he got saved while he was in the prison, and uh, before he left, he surrendered to the ministry. Well, I have quite a few guys that tell me that, but, you know, I don't always get to hear stories. But over the years, he's kind of kept in touch with Rock of Ages Prison Ministry, and, and through that, I get to hear reports. And he met me down there at the conference, and he's just finishing up his Master's of Divinity. Um, he carried out his call, and he has been married for eight years, has three beautiful children. And I said, what's the Lord going to do with me? He says, I don't know. He says, but I know this. He says... Uh, and, and he's standing there weeping and just saying, I thank God for saving me. And I thank God for sending a missionary that would reach me at the lowest point of my life. And God does change lives. He says, please let the people that support you know that God can change an old sinner like me. Aren't you glad God changes lives? So I just wanted to share that with you. 
Um, pray for me this morning. I, I want to try to give you a message that will be a help and a blessing to you. I try not to preach prison-related message, messages because people always anticipate that, but the Lord made it very apparent in my heart, and I just felt like uh, I needed to. So we're going to go to a very common text this morning that most of you all probably have read before, but uh, bear with me, and I know try to get past the stigma of the prison, and try to listen to what God would have you to hear this morning. And uh, open your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, when you find your place there, if you could all stand with me, Acts chapter 16. We'll read three short verses, we'll open in prayer and get into the message. Acts chapter 16. We'll read just three short verses, we're going to go back and read more later, but Acts chapter 16, verse 23. If you can't stand, that's fine, but those who can, please do so. Everybody there, say amen. Now, I'm from the South, so I, I don't mind if you say amen, so that's not, I don't know how y'all do that, but if you say amen, you're not going to bother me at all, so, um, in fact, the more you amen me, the faster I preach, which means you get done sooner, amen? So, amen. What? See, amen's already. Well, praise the Lord, we're going. All right. Acts chapter 16, verse 23. God's word says this, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. That'd be like the whole segregation we just talked about. The inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed some and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. I'm just glad that God can meet with people in their low spots. Amen. Maybe you've never been in prison. But in this world, we're kind of imprisoned in this world. The Bible has a lot to say about that. And the, the bonds of sin, I just mentioned that a minute ago. God broke my chains. Well, those aren't physical chains. But sometimes, you know, even in this world, maybe you've never been physically incarcerated. But, you know, if you live according to this world, you are in chains. And God can break those chains. And I'm just glad that when people are in a dark time and a, a hopeless time and where you don't see anything of hope or good things around you, that we can turn to God and God can change lives. Amen. So this morning, with God's help, I'm going to preach on this. Praise in the prison house. Praise in the prison house. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for, again, the opportunity to be here at Centennial Baptist Church. I pray that you'd meet with us. Lord, I certainly need you. And I thank you for your many blessings upon us. I thank you for your salvation. Lord, thank you for your word that we can gather together on a Sunday morning on the Lord's Day. And Lord, we can ask you, Lord, as we even sang in praise this morning, we ask your Holy Spirit to move and to stir. Lord, that you would meet here with us, that you would stir our hearts. Lord, I pray that everybody would just take a moment. Lord, that they would consciously clear their thoughts. Lord, that they would turn to you, that they would ask you to speak to their hearts today. Lord, that they might not see or hear me. But, Lord, that they would hear your words as you speak to them today. We thank you for your goodness and grace. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. And God's people said, amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you very much for standing. So I want to pick out a couple things before I get into the main message. But I want you to notice something about this text. And actually, I've preached out of this text many different times, several messages out of this text. But I noticed something as I was studying here a few weeks ago, as I was preparing this message. And... The Bible says this in verse number 25, it says, and at midnight, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. I started thinking about that. You know, I said, midnight, why, why does it specify midnight? 
Now, I don't know, again, if you've ever been incarcerated or in a bad place, and whether you have or haven't, I don't, I don't judge people for those things, but sometimes we find ourselves in maybe the darkest place and the coldest time, and you have to understand that prisons in those days and Bible times were nothing like ours. I've been in some really rough prisons, but even those are nothing compared to the prisons in Paul's day. Most of the time they were, if you study the culture and you study history, you'll find out they were usually in the cellars and the basements and the sewer systems, really, underneath of those, uh, those old buildings. And so oftentimes they were just reinforced stone and, and uh, there were raw sewage. And I'm not trying to be too gross this morning, but we need to understand how bad this was. In addition to that, we need to understand that Paul and Silas just had many stripes laid upon them, which means they had open wounds as they were laying there in this rough prison with filth and disgust all around them. You know that they were hurting, and it's a dark hour at midnight. This that they prayed. You know, sometimes it's midnight. Maybe you say it's midnight when you lose a family member. Maybe that midnight to you is when you lost your job. Maybe that midnight is when you... Uh, Look at the political situation in America. Maybe that midnight is when it's a dark time in your life. Maybe there's illness or some kind of, maybe it's cancer or some kind of serious thing that you're dealing with. Maybe that midnight, I don't know what the midnight is for you, but in that midnight hour is when they came to God. And it's that dark time. And I noticed I was started thinking about some other stories that I think of in the scripture. And if you look over it, keep your finger right here. But if you look over at Mark chapter 5, and we know the story of, of Jairus as he runs to Jesus his daughter is laying dying and he comes to Jesus in verse 21 when Jesus was past Mark chapter 5 verse 21 and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea and behold there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue unto uh, one of the rulers of the synagogue Jairus by name and when he saw him he fell at his feet and besought him greatly saying my little daughter is at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. I'm not going to preach on that text this morning, but I thought of Jairus. Here's why. I think of my daughter. I just mentioned my youngest daughter. I have a, an older daughter that's 20 years old. And as a dad of a daughter, I know there's other dads in here, If you have, especially if you have daughters. And I know sons are okay, but I, I told the Sunday school class right now I don't really like teenage boys because I've got two daughters, so... But if you're a daddy of a daughter, there is nothing that I would, wouldn't do. I, I would do anything for my daughters. I mean, anything. And here's the thing. It's a dark hour in Jairus' day. His daughter is on, a, on her deathbed. But here, I want you to look at Jairus' response and Paul and Silas' response in that dark hour as compared to many of ours. Oftentimes when I do pastoral counseling or chaplaincy counseling and I have people come to me and, you know, well, sir, you know, God made me mad, and why did God let this happen? And oftentimes, people run the opposite direction of God in that dark hour. When, when their daughter is ill or when they get cast into prison, they, they, they get mad at God. They run the other direction. But I want you to notice something. Jairus ran to God, and we know this story if you haven't read that text, but hopefully you've read it. And listen, the Lord's healed his daughter and raised her up. Paul and Silas, we know the rest of the story. Hopefully we'll see here this morning. And God raised them up in that dark hour. But oftentimes our natural reaction in the flesh when bad things happen, when we find ourselves in persecution or in temptation or difficulty in that dark hour, that midnight hour when it's dark and cold and you're in pain and you're hurting and you're like, why? Oftentimes we don't run to God. Oftentimes we get angry at God and we run the other direction. I would challenge you this morning to 
run to the Lord in that dark hour. Remember the title praise in the prison house when you when it seems like you're held and captivated by something and something's overwhelming and you have no control and you are overwhelmed with a situation. I challenge you church this morning, run to the Lord. Remember God. Call upon the Lord in that dark hour. So think about that. There's no worse feeling than maybe feeling powerless and that brought to my mind Matthew 28 18 where Christ said in fact Pastor Tony mentioned this morning in Sunday school all power is given unto me listen if God has all power why why is it it's the last thing oftentimes people come and say Chapel Lance you know I uh, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this you know but I can't do anything else I guess all I can do now is pray oftentimes that's our last resort and I challenge you this morning, if you're having that dark time or there's difficult times or that pain, time of pain or time of difficulty, the very first thing you ought to do is exactly what Jairus did. There's Jesus. I'm going to run. And by the way, he fell at his feet. He didn't get in his face. Paul at the foot of the cross. We see Paul and Silas in their dark hour. They were not standing up. They were not getting in God's face with anger. They were in submission, in meekness. Again, but if you miss Sunday school hour, you really need to go to Sunday school. I'm telling you, it's a great blessing. And Pastor Tony did not tell me to tell you that. But listen, it's, listen, that be meek. The controlled power, the humility that we need to exercise before God. Listen, let God speak to you. Fall at his feet in those dark times. I, I just believe that that's exactly where God will meet you. You know, sometimes you say, well, Brother Lance, if God has all power, then, you know, I know that I'm hooked up. I know that I'm saved. I know I'm plugged in, if you will. Why is there no power then? Well, I heard a preacher just say this not too long ago. He said, sometimes, you know, when the hose is connected to the faucet and you know the water pressure is good, maybe there's a kink in your hose. I don't know. I just started thinking, how many kinks are in my hose, you know? I don't know how many things are kinked up in your life, but maybe, you know, you know if you know you're plugged in and you know that the water's on and you know the word's flowing and you know you're in tune with God, then why is there no pressure? Why is there no power? Well, maybe there's a kink in the hose. By the way, that's why I like church so much. If you come and we worship God as we began in praise this morning, as I was standing there just listening to the songs and being thankful, as we ask the Lord, we ask God to stir our hearts and listen, why don't we have victory? Well, oftentimes it's because we let something in our life keep us from allowing God's power to flow. So ask God even now, maybe if something comes to mind, we don't have to wait till the invitation. If God's speaking to your heart, man, get that thing taken care of. God, help me deal with this thing. Lord, I need your power to flow. I need victory. I need help. And you're the only one. And I would challenge you to come to the Lord. Let God speak to you as only he can. Let him, let that, flow, that power flow. He, we know he has all, those, all that power in our life. And I pray that you challenge yourself to let God do that. Maybe this morning you're thinking, well, I've been there, Brother Lance. I've been in that dark hour before. And that's a lot easier said than done. That dark hour when you're hurting and when you're in a dark place, it's a lot easier to read a story and say, well, yeah, yeah, they praised the Lord and, you know, they uh, called upon God and they sang. Yeah, well, that's a lot easier to say it and to preach. It's easy for you to say up there, you know. But you don't know what I'm going through. How did they do that? Well, I wrote down three things that I was thinking about that last night. Instilled. It was instilled in them already. Listen, if you're not a born-again Christian and you don't already have Christ within you, when you get to that dark time, you're not going to praise God. 
When you get to that dark time, you're not going to sing praises. It's, he has to be instilled within you. Paul and Silas had the instilled presence of God with them. We asked God to meet with us. Well, here's the reality. If you're a born-again believer, he's already with you. I preached a message a number of years ago entitled, Practicing the Presence of God. And it's not that we have to practice making God come. We have to practice remembering that he's already there. We have to remember, we have to practice the presence of God, recognizing his presence that's already there. Listen, the instilled presence of God in their life, it's got to be there, or you will not be able to pray and praise in that dark time. Has anybody ever come to you and said, man, can you pray for me? I've got this bad thing, and you're, well, sure, brother, I'll pray. But you can't even pray for him right then, because you know there's things in your life and your heart right there where you've already got to get things right with God. Listen, it's got to be instilled. Number two, second thing was, it's got to be intentional. You know, I think of stories in the Bible, as some of you all maybe are familiar with, but the prodigal son is he's laying in the hog pen. Some of us are laying in the hog pen this morning, and I'm not trying to make any implications there. In fact, I'd be the first one to say I've been in the hog pen, okay? So I'm not trying to speak in a condescending manner, but maybe you're in a spiritual hog pen this morning, and you're eating husks when God has a table set for you. And you're like, well, I'm waiting for God. Pastor Tony, I'm waiting for God to come get me out of this hog pen. Listen, did you know it has to be intentional? Your praise and your prayer must be intentional. You can't, listen, don't just wait there. Now we know that the Father will come and he'll meet us. He'll fall upon our neck and kiss us. He'll run to us. But if we don't intentionally get up, some of us are just laying in our misery waiting for God to come rescue us. The Lord wants you to get up and turn to him. And he absolutely will, but it has to be intentional. It can't be a, an accident. Well, I'm... Well, you, hey, the Bible says be still and wait on the Lord. And so we just sit on the, on the back row, the front row, wherever we're sitting. Or maybe it's not even at church. We're just, well, I'm waiting for God to show up. Listen, it's got to be intentional. Paul and Silas didn't have revival in this jail because it was unintentional. They deliberately turned their focus to God. So it's instilled, it's intentional, and it's instinctive. Brother Lance, what do you mean by instinctive? I want you to think, think with me this morning. How close is your walk with God? Is it, is, it, is it instinctive in your life when you encounter difficult things or bad things? Is it instinctive for you to automatically, to first impulse, to turn to God? It's instinct. You don't have to think about it. The second something happens, Lord, you know where I am. God, I need you. Is that instinctive? I wonder why. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the indwelling presence of God. It's, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, many of us know that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature old things are didn't say maybe are passed away he'll behold all things become new why because you're a new creature if you're a born-again creature your instinct because christ is within you is to say father i need you just like my little girl you know she's not so much anymore she's all grown up and 18 and all that kind of business but when they're little their instinct what's the first thing a kid does when they get hurt as we were sitting at dinner with pastor last night um, little Sophie came running up, just bawling. And she had got her finger caught in the door or something. And, you know, our inst listen, why did she do that? Because it's instinctive. Maybe there's someone sitting here this morning. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you've been to church all your life. But if you don't have, if you're not a born again, if you're not a true son or daughter, your instinct's not going to be to go to father. Because he's not your father. It's instinctive. If God's in your heart and you're walking with him and you're close to him, it, 
you're going to turn to God. You need to remember those things. I'm going to give you three things we'll be done this morning. I want you to go back in our text. Look back in chapter 16. We're going to start back in verse number 16. Get a little bit of context. I'll give you the three things and we'll be done. Acts chapter, chapter 16, verse number 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel. But notice they were praying already. Amen. As we went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. That's a, basically a palm reader, if you want to make that a simple thing. The same followed Paul and us in crying, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Christ, or Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. I get a lot of questions in this, but uh, they'll say, well, why, why was she saying they're preaching the right thing when she had a evil spirit with her? Listen, I got a newsflash for you. The Bible says a whole lot about false professors. The Bible says a whole lot about those that say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many wonderful works? Listen, the Bible has a lot to say about religion versus a relationship. There are a lot of people that run around saying, oh, I know that that's God, and I know that Jesus is real, and I know that he died on the cross, but it grieves my heart, and I know that it grieves your pastor's heart, and it ought to grieve other Christians' heart if you know that they're religious, but they don't know Christ. It grieved Paul's heart. and said, yeah, I know that she's trying to point at them, but she doesn't have the real thing. Lives can change. Do you have you recognized that this morning? That it's more than just coming to I said this, I don't know, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but sometimes we come to church and we think it impresses God. Did you know that it doesn't impress God that you're here? Now hold on, hold on. Don't get don't look at me like that. It pleases God. God wants you to be here, but it doesn't impress him. That would be like, I know we've got some military veterans in here. Listen, it doesn't. It doesn't impress your first sergeant or the sergeant major when you show up to formation. It doesn't impress them. It pleases them because they want you to be there, but it doesn't impress them. What, what impresses them is when you're excelling. Listen, it doesn't impress God that you're here. It pleases him. But what impresses God is when he sees Christ in your life and you're excelling for the cause of Christ because you have a relationship with him. We need to recognize that. So I want to give you a little background. So they're in trouble. Here's why they're in trouble. You say, well, why did they get thrown in prison? Because when you mess with money, people get mad. And so the, the people that ran this young lady, this business of this palm reader, if you want to call it that, said, hey, wait a minute. He cast the demon out. And maybe they didn't even recognize that. All they knew is she wasn't telling fortunes anymore, and their pockets weren't getting lined anymore. They got mad. Hey, we can't have this stuff going on. You know, I don't care if... By the way, the world doesn't run around saying, if you, they don't care if you run around saying, well, I go to church. They don't care about that. What they do care is if you run around living for God. What they do care is if you start talking about other, talking to others about Christ. Listen, I tell you, it, it matters when it starts affecting their finances and it start, when it starts affecting their, their viability in their life and their financial ability. Look at verse, where are we at? Uh, verse number 19. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, there it is, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Really? 
What, what it means is you cut off our cash flow. That's the trouble that was in their city. Verse number 21. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive. Have you ever been accused falsely? Paul and Silas didn't do what they're talking about. But by the way, that's what the world will accuse you of. And if you're living for God, you're, you're going to have resistance. I was talking to a young man the other day, a young soldier at my correctional facility, and he says, well, sir, you know, I, I've been a Christian for a long time, and quite frankly, I don't ever run into the devil. And I said, maybe you're going the same direction he is. Listen, sometimes we have Christ, but we're so, we're so comfortable in this world. Listen, we're pilgrims passing through. I can't be comfortable out there. I mean, there's a lot of things out there I'm just not comfortable with. I anticipate, the Bible says in this world, you shall have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. If you don't, everything's smooth and you're a Christian, something's wrong. Either that or God's a liar, and I'm not going to even imply that. You're going to have problems. And so they're facing false allegations. They find themselves in a dark hour because of their stand for Christ. You ever thought about that? Job, that's why he was in his dark hour. Maybe that's why we're in our dark hour. I heard a preacher say this recently as well. God allows us to go through circumstances that we cannot control because he wants us to live in the supernatural Sometimes we're living in this natural world. And we, well, it's natural for me to do these things. Well, God wants you to live in the supernatural. God wants you to experience his supernatural grace, not just the natural. And so sometimes God allows these things. So they're falsely accused before the government. In verse 22, it says, And the multitude rose up together against them. And by the way, the, the longer that Centennial Baptist Church stands and lives for God and impacts this community, the more people aren't going to like it. I challenge you to stand, stand fast, and allow God to use you. The multitudes rose up together against them, and their magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, our main text, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer who kept them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed... They sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Three things. Number one, God shakes up lives and changes. There's praise in the prison house. And three things happen. The first thing, obviously, the Bible says they prayed. Now, the Bible has a whole lot to say about the house. I love to preach. That's what God's called me to do. But, you know, this is not a preaching house. The Bible says about the local church that it is a house of prayer. And it's, it's grieved me over the years that most churches, prayer meetings last five minutes. But we'll have all kind of fellowships and all kind of other things. I'm not against those things. I think they're great. But is the emphasis on prayer? And then we wonder why we find ourselves in such despondency and such despair and such dark times. Prayer is absolutely essential. If we want to have praise in the prison, if you want to have praise in this world for that context, do you really turn to God? Do you call upon Him first? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, you don't have to turn there unless you'd like to, but Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, 
yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and in help in the time of need. Do you turn to God when you're hurting, or do we get mad at the preacher because he didn't do what he wanted us to do, or because he didn't do what we wanted him to do? Do we turn to God immediately, or do we get mad at God and go the other direction? We ought to bathe it in prayer and turn directly to the Lord. In a time of loss, we've got to turn to the Lord as Jairus did. We've got to turn to him. It's a house of prayer. I challenge you to, I begin to think about Paul and Silas in this. I challenge you to put this in your mind to think about it. And someone one time told me, well, Brother Lance, you shouldn't try to embellish scripture. Well, I'm not trying to embellish scripture, but we need to understand that, listen, when the Bible tells us about men like Paul and Silas, did you know they're men like us? I'm not trying to belittle them, I'm not trying, but they're men. They are car- carnal men, mankind, just like everyone in here. And so for me to put myself in that situation and to be able to picture it, listen, they're probably feeling the same thing you and I would feel. So I want you to, I want you to picture it. I began to think this, on what they, how this prayer started. And so I just began to kind of try to try to emulate or try to empathize with their situation. I kind of put myself there. And first you've got to imagine yourself being locked up in prison with feet in the stocks and your your arms are in the stocks your feet are locked up you can't move you're sitting there's filth all around you there's rats running by the stench can you imagine the pain they've just been beaten and they're laying there in prison i can't imagine i'm I'm trying to put myself there and i begin to think about this as i was studying the message i said god lord why i don't understand why i'm here i was trying to serve you And my brother Silas is trying to serve you. God, we're trying to stand. Lord, you saw the work and that young young girl who was saved. We saw you change your life. Lord, I don't understand what's going on this, but all I know is this. Every time I've been in a dark place, God, I know you're there. God, and I know that my brother Silas is here by my side even in this dark hour. And God, I remember another dark time when I was incarcerated. God, when I was locked up in the sin of this world. And I remember you reached down your hand on that Damascus road. And Lord, you knocked me off of my high place. Lord, you showed yourself life I'd never seen you. God, I just remember, Lord, as I fell on the ground, I could not see. But for the first time in my life, I saw you. Lord, you took me on to Damascus. And then Ananias came and laid his hands on me. And God, I remember when you touched me for the first time. Lord, I thank you for saving me. Lord, I persecuted the church and now you've saved me. Lord, you're so good. Brother Silas is there saying, man, this is getting good. Lord, help Paul. Lord, he's calling out to you. Come on now. I want you to come on. Yeah, Brother Lance, well, you're embellishing scripture. No, I'm not. We'd be the same way. But can, Now, wait a minute. I want you to think about this. Think of the other prisoners. They're in a bad place too. All of a sudden, these two lunatics. Now, I've been in prison. I've heard the lunatics in the lockdown unit screaming and hollering. I, that's probably how it started. Man, listen to those two guys carrying on in there. Those guys are nuts. What, thank God. Who is, where is God? Come on now. You ever thought about this? When the world sees you praising, by the way, I think that's the highest form. Of, I love singing. I think it's great. But I believe the highest form of praise is when we get our knees before him. 
And as the praise of God's people rises up, God is lifted up. Now, people, did you know that the world doesn't care a whole lot when you praise God when good things are? Pastor Tony, I got a promotion. I'm making 20 grand more a year. The world doesn't care. In fact, usually they'll just be jealous. But in a time of loss, in a time of difficulty, in a time of dark hour, as the world hears you lifting up the name of God in praise and saying, God, I thank you for who you are and I love you. And they see you being faithful here to this house of prayer. And they hear you praising God in that dark hour. Did you know that all the prisoners out there will hear? You'll get their attention. Is there praise in the prison house today? Number one, prayer. Number two, praise. See, Brother Lance, it's, yeah, but it's so difficult to praise in that dark hour. Yeah, I know. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, the sacrifice of praise. Man, it's not a sacrifice. I mean, we all praised this morning. I mean, we saw the, the, the worship leaders came up here and we began to worship and praise God in song. That's not hard, is it? Or, or maybe it's a lot harder when things are bad. Did you know it takes, you know what sacrifice really means? I'm laying aside self, and it's all about God. That's true praise. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. We don't get, listen, well, Pastor Tony, if you'd feed me, you know, I'd, I love you and all, but, I mean, you don't feed me, brother. And so people leave the church. He didn't tell me that, I'm just... I've been, in church, I've been preaching for a long time. I, I know people do. They get mad at God. Well, you got to give me what I need. No, 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 no. Church isn't about you. It's about him. And when we sacrifice ourselves and begin to pray and pour out our hearts to God and we begin to praise and lift him up, you know what happens? We're lifted up. The chains begin to fall off. By the way, the physical afflictions may still be there. Notice Job, even when God started to deal with him all the way to the end, it wasn't until the last chapter that he finally gets it right. But God was there the whole time. The prayer, the praise. Last thing and I'll be done. And I already alluded to it. The preeminence. You say, well, Brother Lance, what is that? I know some of you Bible scholars out there know what it is, but preeminence, the superiority and excellence, the, the ultimate precedence, the ultimate priority in place. Some of you are more familiar with the term your eminence, which when speaking to a dignitary or royalty, a position of, of, uh, of prominence or superiority. Listen, when Christ is preeminent, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men. Is that not what the word says? Listen, has it ever occurred to you that the reason we don't see more people saved is because worship and church and our religion is all about how it affects me? And if I say, Lord, it's not about me, help me to focus on you. And even in that dark hour, when I begin to praise God, I begin to pray that Christ is suddenly become preeminent. And people don't see you anymore. Now instead of seeing Centennial Baptist Church, they see Christ. And when someone sees Christ, they recognize their need for him. Listen, praise in the prison house will always, will always re result in changed lives. Listen, there's a, there's a world out there in prison. I'm not talking about my prison. I'm talking about this prison of sin. Some of you, I want you to remember back to before you knew Christ. 
Can you imagine dealing with the difficulties and the hardships and the things that you're dealing with today without God? Listen, that's what the world's dealing with. And until we come to this place and say, God, even my dark hours, help me to be faithful to sacrifice self, the sacrifice of praise. Lord, that you might receive the preeminence. God, I want people to see you. Psalm 22, verse number 3. I'll give you two, these two verses and we'll be done. It's Psalm 22. I don't even have this marked in my Bible. I want you to think about these verses. Psalm 22, verse 1 through 3, just for the sake of context. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? We understand this is, this is a picture of the cross as well, which should even be more impactful in our life because we need to recognize Christ in us. Look in verse 2. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And this, look what it says. And in the night season, and am not silent. Are you silent when it's the darkest? It says at the nighttime, I'm not silent. But thou art holy, O oh, that inhabitest what? The praises. You and God will be manifest when we can praise him when it's dark. Can you praise God when it's dark? Look at our main text one more time. Here's the last scripture. The Bible said in verse 27 of our main text, And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. Listen, there's a lot of people out there. They're on the verge. They may not be suicidal per se, but they are at the verge of saying it's all over. I don't care. It could be you. As we go through this dark hour, that's their only hope. They may be feeling as the jailer did that there's nothing left. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. And he called for a light. Man, I wish I had time to preach that this morning. And sprang in and came trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas. Wait a minute, the jailer fell down in front of them? Remember where they are. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord unto all that were in his, in his house. And he took them the same hour that night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. Did you know, listen, dads, when Christ has the preeminence in our home, your entire family will be impacted. When a dad can lead spiritually the home and your family see you sacrifice self and it's about God your whole family will be impacted is there praise in the prison house today is there praise in your house today is there praise in this house today let's have every head bowed and every eye closed and then we're going to have some music here in a second listen as the music's playing I just want you to think about this When's the last time that you went to God, not because you were in pain, but just because you love him? Maybe when's the last time you came forward and just knelt to pray and thank God for who he is? That's the, that's, that's the praise. God says, I inhabit the praise. You want God to show up this morning in Centennial Baptist Church? Why don't you bow the knee? Maybe make an altar out of your seat where you are.
Maybe you're in a dark hour this morning. Would you turn to him? If you have a hard time praying or praising, I want you to be honest with yourself. Maybe you've never truly trusted Christ. Remember I said he has to be there. It's got to be instinctive. Heavenly Father, be with us this morning as we close. Thank you for this church. Thank you for